Welcome to Let's Pause, a podcast that gives us the opportunity to do just that. In a society that seems to only be gaining speed, leading to rushed decisions and results, we're pushing the pause button on life to explore, study, and dig a little deeper on a variety of subjects. So thank you for joining us today as we pause. Hey, Jeff, how are you? I am well. How are you doing, Mark? I am doing great. Listen, this is another one of those Island of Misfit podcasts. And so I am hosting, Jeff is guesting. And for those that aren't familiar with this, this is where basically we don't have, I'm not saying Jeff's not like a legit guest, but we don't have like an official formal subject matter expert coming in and telling their story or telling their kind of nuggets of truth and, and knowledge. We have each other. And it's there's also sort of a stealth topic kind of deception thing that's happening here. So Jeff does not know what his topic's going to be. Do I get to guest at it? Is that a is that a new term that that's it? you're actually come up? guesting at it? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I want you to take I'm, at least a guest or two at what your <laughs> podcast topic is today. Mm, let's see. I think that it is um really rebuilding carburetors of nineteen seventy four Impalas. Super close. Okay. Super that's close. That um, yeah. Like if mm. we were metal detecting, it'd be like, mm. yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Um, do you want to take one more guest um, before I tell you what the podcast topic is for, for today? See. One other guest is that, um, what is the meaning of life? Gosh, that would have been a really good one. Yeah. It's, can I just go with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy 42? <laughs> sure. The answer. Yeah. Okay, that's a, that was a good, good call. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, some of these topics, if we were to do something like what's the meaning in life, uh, meaning of life? It kind of goes back to something I said before. Like, I think this place, we'd make a million bucks. Like, if you could actually deliver the true meaning in life, mm. I know that we share a sense of what that is for us. But, mm-hmm. like, if you could, like, definitively make that call on these kinds of profound human things, gosh. It sounds like you're making that call is like you, you're trying that, drawing that line with a very fine tip pen when it should be just a a broad brush, fat marker. Is that, <laughs> that what you're thinking? Yeah, like, you're, and maybe a little bit like a sine wave too in there, all that stuff mixed in there. I am not tracking that analogy at all. Okay, I've, sine I, wave comes from calculus. Yeah, I didn't take calculus. Okay, <laughs> didn't ta- this, this uh, did you not say before that you were like not a good student? How are you taking calculus if you're not a good student? I love math. I was good at math, but gee whiz, yeah, I could have been a better student. I use that word calculus. When it comes to how you analyze a decision, like, hey, what calculus led you to that call? But I don't actually know any calculus. Are you thinking calculus are those kind of rough parts on your hands? That's exactly right. <laughs> okay. yeah, that's the reason I can't do pull-ups. I don't have enough calculus yeah, in my hand. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. And also, I get this calculus buildup on my teeth. <laughs> and like the, the hygienist is like, you're not flossing. And I'm like, I know. I've got all the calculus in there. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've also found that on the edges of my fingernails. Sometimes mm. I push that back, that skin, that calculus mm-hmm. that's there. Yes. Yeah. We're giving our broad audience the understanding of who we really are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we're both, you're into it as a math subject. I'm into calculus in kind of like all the other ways it shows up in life. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So listen, Jeff, here is the topic for today. Best pain gain. Oh, so to break it down, what I mean by that is what is the best gain that has been yielded in your life out of something painful? And, you know, if there's something super personal, let me caveat, 
uh, we want to know. Now, <laughs> okay. <laughs> if there's something personal, you don't have to pick the most painful thing because, quite frankly, I don't really want to listen to you weep like a little heaping child. But something that was painful, but man, I learned a lot from it. Or maybe you can come up with a couple things that were kind of more medium in the pain scale. Is that making sense? It, it is. Uh, You're trying to edit. You're trying to figure out, well... I know what it is. Well, I was, I was, it was that bad touch from Uncle Larry. (laughs) But I just, oh my gosh, I just can't go there. That was this, first of all, thinking about in addition to our relationship. Okay. All right. right. Yeah. Uh, the, I think that probably my first leadership responsibility that I had the whole organization was my responsibility, right? Of this one particular building. So just set the stage. We're going back to like a job that you had. Yeah, a job like where I was 27, where I inherited a really big challenge. Is this the time that you had to hire that guy who stole a car from the employee? That was one of the journeys. Episode? That was one of the learning okay. uh, learning but it's journeys. That, it's that job. Yeah, it's that so job. So you're, you're a leader. Yeah. You're holding a leadership position. Yeah. You're it, still a young yeah, it was, adult. It was an assisted living uh, organization. It was a... Uh, organization that uh, actually has since gone bankrupt and no longer exists. It's uh, and I, yeah, I worked sounds there for like a, some excellent leadership yeah, you provided. Yeah. Well, it was. I mean, the the company when I joined it, I joined the 90th building. When I left 21 months later, they had 450 buildings, so they were in this insane growth path. Wow. Uh, and really, what it was is I got hired. Uh, the building was being built, and there had been someone who was going to be the administrator who was there for 10 months prior while the building was being built. Okay. Building opened, quit three weeks after the building opened, and I was the person who followed after that. There were no systems in place. It was a totally 100% memory impairment building. So everyone had a cognitive impairment uh, who lived there. They were, it was, so there was a fill up. Including the staff. <laughs> well, including the, the director. But I'll give you kind of an example of where there were no systems in place. Is the pain you're talking about the overwhelming challenge or is the pain yet to be described because of an event? So the pain was the overwhelming challenge of really the first year of stabilizing a a a position that there's a vacuum. There was chaos. A huge amount of responsibility for a very vulnerable population. Okay. All right. Keep going. So to give you a great example of the uh, no systems in place. So, you know, it's an assisted living place and it's memory care, and the person who was the scheduler, the first schedule they put out, they didn't schedule anyone for the weekends. They're like, yeah, this is Monday through Friday thing. And this is like a residential this deal, is, right? So, I mean, it's not like the, it's, the, the, no one, the, yeah. the patients or clients didn't go home for yeah, the like weekends. If, yeah, this was not like a, <laughs> yeah, so that kind <laughs> of sums awesome. up like, what? They, uh, they don't need to eat for a couple of days. Yeah, it's so, be fine. so and then it was also at a time where uh, the the organization, which was not in North, like the headquarters was not in North Carolina. It was in a state many, very far away. Feels like a witness protection. Uh, it really kind of, it does. You <laughs> okay, know, I, I, I want to. I mean, yeah, there are. No, I got you. But it was this the, place is now defunct, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like another organization had to buy it and okay. that kind of thing. But it was the they started people at six fifty an hour, and there was no bus line, so it was. I had to learn all sorts of things about, okay, wait a minute, what are we going to pay people? How are we going to recruit people? How are we going to be, how are we going to just put systems in place? Yeah. And I, and really what happened was I worked the floor at least 30 hours a week. And for 60 other hours, I was trying to get the organization rolling. How much did you know what you were getting yourself into when you took this job, when you were pursuing it? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I had 11 years in the uh, in the field. I had, you know, I'd just become licensed okay. as a nursing administrator. So I had, I knew like systems and everything that was supposed to be, but there was nothing in place. This place was a clown show. And it was, there were residents already there. There was 600 items on the punch list. I had no construction experience. Out of curiosity, how big is this? So like how many residents? It was supposed to be, we had to grow it to 50 residents. And right now only half the building was open. The other half was in construction. The, okay. uh, uh, so we had about 20. They were trying to fit, fill up stabilization numbers. There was, so how much of this clown show did you were you able to foresee when you were interviewing for the position? I would say zero. Really? Yes. Now, is that because I'm not trying to indict the people that hired you, but like that they were kind of being evasive because they needed somebody and they knew it was a clown show, so they didn't tell you? Or I, were you just like, I just give you a job? I, I think I was a little, well, I was more than a little naive, uh, but I think that it was I think that they were looking for somebody, but they were growing so quickly mm. that it, this is the way I kind of describe it is like someone tossed me the keys to the car. It was a manual transmission. And I the engine's had to drive. You know, I was like, yeah, I was like the car was starting to with roll a, with a little bit. a pregnant lady in the yeah, back yeah, who says, please get me to the yeah, hospital yeah. as soon as possible. And I was like, and I just started and was like, what, what? You just started peeling back the layer of the onion and just pressed forward yeah, and pressed into it and learned and that's why I picked this one. I wouldn't trade the experience for anything because it really helped me understand hiring practice, helped me understand like how to turn something around, how to get buy-in from people. It really made me understand the core of what the organization need to be and kind of move it through. And then it also taught me how to lead leaders and manage my you know managers. I remember calling one saying, hey, listen, this just happened. You know, I just found this out. A corporate just called me and this kind of thing. What's going on? And they broke down in tears. And I'm like, wait, aren't you? supposed to be <laughs> supporting me and I'm trying to support them. And I'm like, wow. this is not a good sign. <laughs> you know, I'm reminded to one of our earlier podcasts that we, we did one on creating a gratitude practice. Remember our expert kind of said, mm -hmm. Hey, it's these negatively valent events, the, the stuff that's kind of bad that happens that becomes the most powerful learning tool. Mm -hmm. When things go really well, quite frankly, we almost don't learn anything because yeah. we're not forced to, and we don't have to problem solve our way or, you know, whatever. That's probably why part of this sticks out and was such a profound learning opportunity for you. What is it? Smooth seas don't make skilled sailors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, we learned a lot. And I mean, I cooked for a month. Uh, really? I mean, I, I was responsible for feeding everybody for a month when I had to let somebody go in the, you know, the kitchen. And I, during this time frame, that first year, Serene was eight months pregnant. She'd come in and help me wash the dishes at night. I mean, it was insane. I'm sure the audience is wondering... Hey, Jeff, why didn't you just quit? <laughs> because, I mean, I get it. If it was your startup and you're owning it and you're like, hey, this is the way it is, rolling up the sleeves, getting in there and doing everybody's job with them. But this was a job you, you had already become an experienced person. You had some credentials in this. Why stay? I stayed until a certain point when I made the decision it was time to go. Something led to yeah. Oh, it's, it's time. And it was, uh, the week our oldest was born, I ended up working 50 hours as a short week when I was going to take the week off. At the end of that week, I said to my wife, I said, how about grad school? Yeah. And so that was November and I worked really hard applied to a bunch of different things and got in uh, by March, gave my notice and was gone in June. Wow. But you learned a ton. I learned a ton. In fact, I remember my dad telling me in the first six months, because uh, you know, I called him on a regular basis, like what you've gone through in the first six months, it was 12 years in the organization where I was. Yeah. 
And so I always joked, like, you know, for every year you work in long-term care, it's seven human years. You know, it was like, that's the way I felt there. I was like, yeah, there were like 50 people who worked there. And we usually had a core of 25 to 30, not the one stealing the car, right, right. Um, that was really solid that kind of held the whole place together. It's kind of like a core of a baseball, right? You got to have that core and then you kind of wrap around that. And then you get, if you're fortunate enough, you get the cover. We created a really healthy team. I created a different leadership structure and we created consistency that, provided really great quality of care when we got to the, uh, you know, when we kind of dug ourselves out of some things and created some new programs that really grew the staff. And, and we had a lot of fun and, and really served really complex, uh, cases. Like I had never heard of Pick's disease. Just, I, you know, haven't been in the field for 11 years. At that point, I didn't know what that was. And it really creates someone who's got an obsessive compulsive behavior. And we had one person who talked all the time and we had someone else who walked all the time. Like the first day she was there, she walked for 24 hours. Really? Not like slow walk, like speed walk. And this was part of her cognitive. Yes. And, and so, so we figured out when she walked by, we handed her like a quarter of a sandwich, you know, or, and then, or we, you know, just because you had to keep calories on her. I and mean, she was burning calories like crazy. And we got her settled enough and comfortable enough that she slept eight hours a night. She walked most of the other time, but like we figured out how to care for that complexity. And all of us were probably in our 20s. We had one amazing nurse who was in her 50s who was like kind of coached all of us in wisdom. She was the, did I tell a story about the person who applied for the job in Sharpie? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was her. So we still exchange Christmas cards, you know, like close to 25, 27 years later. And we're, um, it's all those lessons that you learn through that, that I would not trade for the world. I lost like 25 pounds or something. Like I was like, from what you we got stressed. married to Severine had never seen me that skinny. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, can you think of one particular lesson learned that you then applied, uh, you know, either in a profound way or maybe even over and over again in subsequent positions? Yes, it was. Uh, I stumbled into the field of long-term care, and I just loved the people, the residents, and and then I found when I got that leadership role, I really loved nurturing and growing and pouring into them and how do you pour into them and realizing that everyone learns differently and you know and how do you walk alongside folks and how do you value especially those hands-on caregivers because they are they're the ones making the real difference like yeah, i was frontline you're right frontline troops right and so how do you how do you care and love those folks who are doing making the real difference with the the folks and who need the care and so the taking care of them and figuring out how to serve them was something that i've carried with me ever since that time. And I just loved it. And I compare it to, you know, my mom telling me when I held, you know, our oldest for the first time, she said, don't think that you will teach her anything. She'll teach you everything. And I felt the same way about all the people that I, you know, was responsible for. You were holding that nurse. (laughs) (laughs) Like they taught me everything. You know, they gave me the opportunity to learn so much. And I was just unbelievably grateful about what I could learn from them. That's very cool. Yeah. If you could go back, would you change anything about it? Is there anything that happened that there was no great lesson other than, yep, life sucks, (laughs) or sometimes people suck? Uh, You know, I think that um, understanding where levels of influence come from, right, or how you can influence. So unfortunately, during the 90s, also a lot of assisted livings figured out or decided that they wanted to be uh, publicly traded companies. Hmm. And so at a certain point during those 21 months, the stock dropped by two thirds and it all came about the bottom line too. So it was like, you need to lay off these people and that kind of stuff. And that what that does is that leads to sacrificing care. And so I 
procrastinated and didn't do it. And, you know, but that was also, didn't I do knew, it meaning didn't like go, like I might have go. throttled some hours back, okay. but like if there was a position vacant, I didn't refill it, but I just was, I knew I was leaving. Yeah. So I thought someone else could have to own that. But I think that the, unfortunately, I didn't have the influence from where I was to share that if you don't invest in the most important product, which is the hands-on care, the stock's the least of your worry. Your $12 you know, share stock versus 35 is the least of your worries. So I suppose you still learn something out of that, but mm. the reality was more, it was just, you came to a recognition that wasn't- I didn't have the influence. Yeah. 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 You, it was beyond your control. So, and, and I think that what it did do though, is it led me to really enjoying, you know, my next position was nonprofit. And I really appreciate that because I, I just think healthcare should be nonprofit. I just struggle with that, you know, there are hospices that are for profit. I'm sure they provide some amazing care, but I just- You're saying, hey- you think healthcare should not have kind of a competitive marketplace? I think it can have a competitive marketplace, but I think that the dollar should pour back into the organizations okay. and into, especially into the direct line staff. Okay. You know, I think that the the average wage of the hands-on caregiver is, if they're lucky, at the livable wage. Yeah. Okay. Jeff, any other thoughts on greatest gain from greatest pain? As you said, I think it's those those tough times in our lives that we learn the most from and we grow the most from and that we and, and I think that when you're in it, it might not feel that way. But it's if you get the opportunity to kind of get some perspective through that, it's important. One of the things that we also did is that we we maintained our humor through it. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a good group of folks that we we did like a you know, masterpiece theater on Friday afternoons, like in an office to say, okay, what happened this week that was a little nutty and we had like these little toys that we we'd act them out just to try to keep the you know, wow. mood light and that kind of thing, just to kind of have fun with folks and, and just laugh. And, you know, if you can find humor in the ludicrous moments or as opposed to horror with it, you just kind of keep, that helps, I think, keep spirits up. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. know, that, I think we've talked about it before as being kind of like when we did our graveyards in cemeteries, oh, yeah. sort of yeah. the gallows humor, the yes, idea of, yeah. or this death humor. It, sometimes it rubs certain people yeah. the wrong way, but yeah, it's that juxtaposition yeah. between the dark and the funny Yeah, uh, that makes Absolutely. people kind of cope well. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for being a great guest and for guesting uh, before we got started on what the topic was going to be. And for all those that are out there listening, certainly we hope and pray that the pains that you've had have led to great gains and certainly challenge you to think a little bit more about the value of the learning opportunity in the things that are painful. So thanks so much for listening. And Jeff, thanks for being with me. My pleasure. Good to see you, Mark. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Let's Pause. If you liked what you heard, drop a follow, smash a like, or drop us a note at letspause.org.